0: Today's reading comes from Exodus 11.
1: Good morning. (laughs) The Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man asks from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people.
0: Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel." All these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger.
1: Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land.
2: All right, let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Take from your word the things that that are about Jesus and And help us to receive them. To hear of your amazing grace. To learn of your incredible love for us in Jesus. To find a place of refuge and escape through the cross. To look to the one who willingly gave himself for us. So that we could receive from him everything we need. Lord, we are needy this morning. We come with anxious hearts and hurting bodies, and we come with minds tired from the week that's gone behind us, and, and Lord, with uh, lives busy in the week to come. So Lord, help us. Help us to hear from you this morning in your word, and help us to follow you, King Jesus, with everything we have. We pray in your name. Amen. Y'all, I, I'm amazed. I am literally amazed by grace. I'm amazed. It means surprised, astounded, suddenly filled with wonder. I am amazed by grace. Grace. That God's love would flow to me. Not someone who's just undeserving of God's love, but someone who's ill-deserving of God's love that there's nothing good in me that would, would make God love me. He just loves me. And grace, amazing grace, has flowed into my life. I am amazed by grace. I'm amazed by grace because mostly I'm amazed by Jesus. I am blown away by who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. I want you, more than anything, to be amazed by grace. I want you to be blown away by the kindness and love of Jesus for you. I want this Easter, I want this season of your life to be a season in which you look back and you remember, Jesus, you showed up in my life in a special way. Jesus, you showed up. You helped me be amazed by grace. I'm praying that for you and for myself this morning. Last week, we saw that we all have a tendency to underestimate God's holiness. And we have a tendency to underestimate our own sinfulness. And that when we underestimate God's holiness and we underestimate our sinfulness, what we do is we shrink the cross. And when we shrink the cross of Jesus, we're not amazed by grace because it's the cross of Jesus that reveals amazing grace. It's the cross of Jesus that Exodus 11 and Exodus 12 is pointing towards. It's the cross of Jesus that this season of the year moves towards. The cross of Jesus that then gives way to the empty tomb of Jesus, where amazing grace is on full display. Do you need it? Are you experiencing it? Have you experienced amazing grace? grace let me ask you a question ask yourself this do do i ever find myself anxious over felt needs do i ever feel anxious about what i'm gonna wear where i'm gonna work where i'm gonna live Do, do i ever feel anxious over felt needs There's amazing grace for you. Listen, is there an area of my life that I would be scared to death for everyone else in this room to know about? I have amazing grace for you. Listen, are you living your life under a sense of obligation to your job, to your family? Are you trying hard to please everyone around you? And has it left you feeling burnt out? Jesus has amazing grace for you this morning. Love flowing towards people who are ill-deserving of his favor. This whole book of Exodus we've been walking through this year, and it's moving us closer and closer and closer to Jesus the one who is going to come to set us free, the one who's come to deliver us as Moses came to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Deliverer. And he does it in an amazing way, through a cross. Through a Roman cross, an object of shame, Jesus, the Son of God, would save sinners from their sin. And we've seen over the past several weeks, plague after plague after plague. Let me just tell you the story of the plagues again. In summary, when Pharaoh Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel leave Egypt, Moses turned the Nile into blood. And when that didn't work, Moses sent hundreds of frogs into the city. Still, Pharaoh didn't listen. So Moses sent gnats to cover the people and animals. The gnats didn't work. So Moses sent flies to fill the houses of the Egyptians. Pharaoh didn't listen. So Moses sent a plague to kill the animals of the Egyptians. That didn't work either. Next, Moses took ashes from an oven and threw them in the air to give the people boils. And Pharaoh didn't listen again. So Moses made hail and lightning Fall from the sky. Next the plague of locusts flew in. The ninth plague covered the Egyptians in darkness. And lastly, because Pharaoh refused to listen, Moses sold the Egyptians, told the Egyptians that their firstborn children would not live. Yet Pharaoh still didn't listen and refused to let the Israelites leave Egypt. Plague after plague after plague. Designed to help Pharaoh see the holiness, the power, the glory, the justice of God. That he's greater than all the gods of Egypt and he is to be obeyed. But Pharaoh hardens his heart. He refuses to listen. And when we come to Exodus 11 and Exodus 12, we're shocked. We're shocked by the justice of God. In verse 10, that God would harden Pharaoh's heart. We're shocked by the justice of God that because of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, his refusal to let the people of Israel go, that a a harsh judgment falls upon Egypt. He doesn't allow the firstborn of Egypt to live for the salvation of his people. And it points to Jesus. Don't miss this. The justice of God revealed in the plagues points to the grace of God revealed in Jesus. That if we read the plagues without reading the cross, without understanding that the death of the firstborn in Egypt points to the death of the firstborn son of God in your place as our substitute, Jesus Christ is the one that the plagues point to, that he plunged himself into darkness so that we could live in light, that he shed his blood so that the pollution of sin could be washed away. The plagues point to Jesus. They point to the incredible, amazing, abounding grace of God towards us, that we get to receive grace. I want to mine chapter 11. And I want you to see three things in chapter 11 about the amazing grace of God. I want you to see the recipients of the amazing grace of God. I want you to see the riches of the amazing grace of God. I want you to see the result of the amazing grace of God. The recipients, the recipients of the amazing grace of God. I see it in verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark Whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. The recipients of amazing grace are recipients not because they're good, but because God is good. Not because they're holy, but because God is holy. Not because they're worthy, but because Jesus Christ is worthy. Why did God set his affection on Israel? Well, Deuteronomy 7 tells us, listen to this. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples. For you, the, you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath, which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why did God redeem? Why did God save? Why did the cross happen? Because God loved you. Why did he love you? He loved you because he loved you. Amazing grace makes any a potential recipient because God in his love has given his son, Jesus. And what does it mean? What are the practical implications of God's amazing grace towards sinners, towards people who need him? Well, Burt Reynolds made quite a name for himself last you know, century. He was quite a looker, apparently. He thought he was. But he was always nervous about it. And so when he got a little bit older, he said, retirement must be wonderful. I mean, you can suck in your stomach for only so long. You see what he's saying? When you're worried about how people see you, you can only manage your behavior. You can only suck in your gut for so long. The cross says you can let out your gut. The cross says the pressure's off. The cross says you don't have to wear a mask. What is the thing that you are terrified that anyone in this room would know about you? Let out your gut. Take it to Jesus. Take it to the cross. Take it to the place where all sin, past, present, and future was paid for by our substitute. Go to Jesus. Let out your gut. The only people who will ever get better are the people who know that they'll still be loved even if they never get better. You are so loved by God that he was willing to give his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amazing grace towards people who didn't deserve it and didn't earn it. The recipients of amazing grace, the riches of amazing grace. Look at verse 2 and 3. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man asked from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of of the people the riches of god's amazing grace silver and gold given to israel that they would have possessions to take with them on this journey from egypt to the promised land god the father providing for their every need the riches of god's grace listen are you anxious about felt needs You have a heavenly father who has promised to care for every area of your life. Trust him. Lean into him. Look to him. He's for you. The riches of amazing grace that you have received, not only forgiveness, but you've received righteousness. You've received acceptance. You've received all the positives that you need from Jesus, to stand before God in full, perfect beauty and righteousness, that when God looks at you, he sees you as rich with the righteousness of Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that you're running a little low on funds in your bank account. In fact, you're running so low that you write a check to the bank and it bounces. That brings your bank account balance to zero, but then the bank being oh so helpful comes along and they hit you with a fee. So now your balance is negative, whatever the fee is these days. It's in the negative. So you go to the bank and you meet with the manager and you say, is there anything you can do to help me? And he says, I'll help you. I will forgive the penalty. So what's happened now to your Balance. It's gone from negative to what? Zero. But the riches of God's amazing grace is this that He doesn't leave you at zero. He credits to your account the riches of Jesus. His righteousness is credited to your account, and now you have a balance before God of the gazillions. You are righteous. Forgiveness would get you to zero. Righteousness fills your account. And that's where you are. So don't worry any longer about keeping up appearances. Don't worry any longer about how you measure up before God and before others. You already know if you're in Christ, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you've received the riches of amazing grace. All of the glory, the obedience, the righteousness of Jesus transferred to your account and credited to you. You're wealthy beyond all imagination. Those are the riches. Now, what about the result? The result of amazing grace. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. And then go down to verse 8. Verse 8, all these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me saying, go out. You and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. What's the promise? What's the result of God's amazing grace? The result of amazing grace is that you are delivered. You're set free. You're no longer under obligation. You're no longer under slavery. You're set free. The results for Israel when God moved in a saving way for his people was they went out. God doesn't just make salvation possible for his people, he actually saves you and me. God, through Jesus Christ on the cross, has secured salvation. The results of Jesus' work for you are that you can be confident and assured in Christ you're saved. Does a sense of the joy and freedom and release From the bondage to sin and death and hell, does it fill you with wide-eyed wonder that you, yes, you, are saved? Are you blown away by your savedness? You can be. Because the result of Jesus' work on the cross is that amazing grace is complete and sure and you can count on it. It's a real thing. Are you conscious of that in your life? The best book I've read in the last year is a book by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. And in it, he says this, the felt love of Christ really is what brings rest, wholeness, flourishing, shalom, that existential calm that for brief gospel sane moments settles over you and lets you step in out of the storm of worksness. You see for a moment that in Christ you truly are invincible. The verdict really is in. Nothing can touch you. He made you his own and will never cast you out. That's where you can live. and it's where I can live. No more anxiety. no more fear. Oh, it doesn't mean it'll never come. Oh, it'll come. It'll come. But in that moment, there is also gospel saneness that's offered to us. If we would just see ourselves as those who are recipients of amazing grace, enjoying the riches of amazing grace and standing in the sure confidence of the results of amazing grace, it really can be ours. How does it flow into our life? How do we get into it? Through faith. By receiving from Jesus everything that his cross and his empty tomb has made possible. By receiving through faith, being willing to admit, Jesus, I admit I'm empty. By believing, Jesus, I believe you did for me what I couldn't do. You died the death I deserved to die, and you, having lived the life that I could never live, you offer me forgiveness, but even more, you offer me righteousness. Jesus, I want to go your way. I want to live in a daily dependence upon you and all that you offer me. I'll go your way. I'll follow you as Lord, Master. Help me become the person you want me to be. Listen, are you living in gospel saneness? Are you living in amazing grace? Look to the cross. And listen, how could it be, become more real this week? Well, here's a suggestion. I, I don't know, probably all of you have had this thought during the message. You've heard me say again and again, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. And some of you, if not all of you, have already started singing Amazing Grace. It's already come to your mind, that great hymn by John Newton, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. What I want you to do this week is I want you to sing. You're the worship team. I want you to sing Amazing Grace. You say, sing? That seems crazy but it's what the Bible invites you to do. I'm not lying. Look at Psalm 69. I am afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, O God, set me securely on high. I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving and it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hoofs. God says, sing. When you're empty, sing Amazing Grace. Remind yourself, I'm a recipient of Amazing Grace. When you get sad or you get mad this week, sing and remember the riches of God's Amazing Grace. When you're anxious, sing. Sing. May the result of God's amazing grace, be praise to the name of God with song. So let's do it now. Dylan's going to come up and he's going to lead us in one last song and we'll sing amazing grace together. Let me pray. Jesus, you are amazing. You surprise us. You astound us. You fill us with sudden wonder when we consider all that you've done for us on your cross. Having lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we deserve to die, you rose from the dead showing that the penalty had been paid in full, and we now have no more fear of punishment, severity, but we have every reason to believe that from you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would flow love. Father, may we, may we rest in the assurance of your love through Jesus. Help us to experience it by your Holy Spirit. And for some here this morning, maybe watching online, they have never believed And if that's true of you, would you simply say to the Lord now, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Father, would you send the Holy Spirit now? to give assurance of eternal life to all who trust in Jesus. Father, would you send the Holy Spirit now as we sing that we'd lay down those anxieties, we'd lay down those secrets, we'd release those areas of our life where we still hold on to workness instead of grace. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.